Ladies and gentlemen, good evening, and welcome to Prove Me Wrong. This is episode one of what is going to become a weekly podcast, you know, unless I don't do it anymore, then it'll be a one-time thing. This is something I've been talking about doing for a couple years, so as you can see, I'm really on the ball with it. But yeah, this is episode one here. Um, I apologize about the noise if you hear any cars on the outside or anything, because this is my... This is in my home studio, or also my room, if you want to be an asshole about it. But um, I have a spare room, and I'm hoping I can eventually make that into a studio, and then be able to do podcasting from there, because it's kind of fucking creepy if I ever want to start getting guests on here. It's like, hey, you want to come do a podcast in my room? Nobody wants to hear that. So hopefully this is just um, a one-time thing, and then... um, the future podcast will get over in the little spare bedroom I have that I'm going to turn into um, a little podcast slash video studio. Um, so yeah, it's going to probably be solo here in the beginning, and then I'm hoping to build some guests up as I kind of get the hang of this again. It's been a long time since I've been behind the mic, so if I stumble or fuck up, yeah, those things are going to happen because there's not really a way to practice these things. You have to just hit record and just get going and just speaking, and sometimes you fumble and fuck up, but hey, that, that's what happens here. So uh, what is Prove Me Wrong? It sounds a little pretentious. I get it, um, but it started back when I was living in Florida. For those of you that don't don't know, I was living in Florida for a couple years um, with my buddy Brian, and we had a sports talk radio show called The Sports Click. But when I first moved out there, we didn't have a place yet, and his gracious uncle of a man uh, let me move in there for a few months, I think maybe six weeks or so, until we finally got on our feet and then got a place of our own um, over Lake Mary. But Mark is... How do I put Mark? Mark is... A theatrical man. Mark is a man with convictions, I can say that much. And Mark is very, very liberal. He is what I would call the Sean Hannity of liberals. Like, you know how just like Sean's never going to say anything bad about Trump ever? That's kind of how I felt about Mark was with Obama. But we would get in these hour-long debates. That's no bullshit hour-long debates. There was one night we stayed up till, I think, one in the morning in the parking lot, maybe a little drunk, but we were debating technology versus God. And I mean, we we would get in discussions about this shit. Um, At the time when I was living out there, 2012 election had just happened. So Obama just got, um, he just won his re-election and they were very happy people. And at the time, I would say I was probably more right wing thinking than I am now. I've probably come closer to his side on some issues, but nonetheless, it made for some lively debates. Um, and But one of the things Mark used to do, whether it was on the radio, who he also had his own radio show called After Further Review, um, also known as AFR with him and John Pelkey, who John Pelkey is um, also extremely liberal, but shout out to Mark and John. I love you dudes. However, Mark would do this thing where he would say, something outlandish, and then put the onus on you to prove him wrong. He would say something crazy, like, only a shotgun instantly makes you 10% racist. Prove me wrong! Well, there's nothing quantifiable to be able to prove you wrong with there, Mark. It's kind of like when you ask a religious person to prove that the God does exist, and they say, no, 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 it's on you to prove that a God does not exist. 
but that's not how this works. You can't say something crazy and then put the onus on that person to defend your crazy point of view. That's like me saying, hey, I believe in unicorns. Prove to me that they do not exist. No, that's not how this works. I say the crazy thing, so then I'm supposed to back it up. But he would pigeonhole you, and he was so fucking good with it. If you hadn't done enough radio with him or been in enough debates, he could really back you into a corner, and next thing you know, you're defending his crazy point of view. So it kind of just came to me one stone night of when I was trying to think about what the hell to call this podcast, and Prove Me Wrong came to my mind, and I said, all right. And I thought, fuck it. That, that way I can p- kind of play my homage to Mark and um, finally have a name. And I looked it up and there was a domain name. So that, that that's the name of it. So don't read too far into what has proved me wrong. That That's truly just all that it came from there. But like I said, for two years, I was on a show called The Sports Click. And by two years, I use that term loosely because it was kind of an on-again, off-again thing. But we were on more than we were off. And I did that show for two years with my buddy Brian Winninger. Shout out, Brian. Um, but man, when I got that gig, it was, it was kind of like this. You just have to, you just have to do it. You have to go through the motions. You have to fuck up, um, before you can ever get better with it. And when I first moved out there, I had no experience in radio. Zero. The only thing I had done prior to that is talk drunken sports talks with my buddies around a bar. That, that was the most to sports talk radio I'd ever done prior to that. And I was working at a restaurant at the time when I got the call um, that they had a position. I just thought I was going to go out there, maybe produce a show, um, do some design work for him. I'd made some billboards for him before I ever even got out there, some digital billboards for him. Um, and then it turned into producing a couple shows and to us having our own show. And it, there just wasn't anything quite like that. But I'll give you, I'll give you a little peer through the window at the first day on the job, um, they brought me on to do like a local news update for this show called The Doc Show on Sports. You heard that correct, The Doc Show on Sports. I'll get to that in a second. But I had, like I said, zero prior experience to doing radio before this day. So, and this was like three days after I landed in Florida. So there, there was no prep time. There was no even practicing behind a mic. It was, Hey, you're live. Go and go. I went and I was reading. I, I messed up city names. I messed up street names. And not only that on my very first day, I gave out the wrong call letters. We were 810 CBS sports radio, Orlando. <laughs> For those of you that remember that stupid voice. And I think I said we were 1080 ESPN radio, which that's not the same station. They had to dump it, what they call it. So then it's like when you say a bad word, you hit the dump button, the radio goes silent, and it's just like that never went out. But yep, that was my very first day reading the news. But like there was some city named, and I still can't get it right. I I don't know if it was Brevard or Brevard, but I, I said it incorrectly. It'd be like saying... It'd be like the anchorman of doing San Diego when it's San Diego and you sound like a big douchebag. So that that was my first day on the radio. But like I said, the first show that we were on, it was called The Doc Show on Sports. What does that mean, you might ask? Great question. The radio show host's real name is Jeff Duncan, I believe. But he went by Doc Y. Because his favorite character in Tombstone is Doc Holliday. This is a 50-year-old man 
that still goes by a fake pseudonym, and he calls himself Doc Holiday. He's not alone in Florida with a name like that. Florida is... It's like what the rest of the world was in the 90s with these fake radio guys. I'm not making these next names up. You might have heard of them before, but these are real DJs in the state of Florida. I already told you that we worked for Doc Holiday, a.k.a. Jeff Duncan, and I will get back to this gem of a human being. But then we also have, in the state of Florida, a guy by the name of Cowhead. I'll wait. Cowhead. You think, oh, it can't get worse than that. No, remember like back when you'd hear like on TV shows and they'd have like somebody be in the school uh, radio booth and they'd be like, this is the Wolfman. Oh, that's what these Florida guys are still like. There was a guy by the name of Mike Bianchi who was probably 5'4", short ball, never played sports a goddamn day in his life. And he went by the name of the Bulldog and he has this little high pitched voice. And I'm telling you. This is real. Look it up. You can Google these people. I'm not making this shit up. That's just what the state of Florida is like. You can't make these things up. You hear the unbelievable, but once you find out that they're true, it makes you lose faith in humanity. And then the next guy is a bigger star. He's uh, what I would call a wannabe Howard Stern. Never met him. Very popular show. And I think he was even tied in with the Hulk Hogan gawker whole porn video. But this guy's name is Bubba the Love Sponge. Where do you come up with that name, Bubba? And he has this giant legion of like WWE type fans that fucking follow him around. And you see bumper stickers for it. It's like back like what Tom Likas used to be. But this guy's even worse. Bubba the Love Sponge. And I mean, that that's just a nice little view into the place that Florida is. If you haven't figured it out yet, I'm not a big fan of that state. It's like the armpit of America. If you live in California, you know like Santee? You know the city of Lake Elsinore? You know the city of Hemet? You know the quality of people those cities produce? That is the entire state of Florida. You get the fucking rednecks that come down from the south in the panhandle. Then you get these douchebags from New York that fly in, the snowbirds. And it's just this hodgepodge of just morons and just awful fucking people. I'd say in the entire time I was there, I might have met six and a half people that I would still talk to today. The rest of that place can go fuck itself. I fucking hate that place. The people I did meet that I liked, cool people, still talk to them. But the rest of it, fuck that place. If you've ever been there, you know what I'm talking about. It's like there's something in the water there. I don't know if it's like the humidity that goes to their brains, but the place is just fucking so, so bad. I mean, this is the place that is home to Casey Anthony. This is the place that is home to George Zimmerman. This is the place that is home to Jeb Bush. This is the place of the pill mills where dudes could just pop around from doctor to doctor and pharmacist to pharmacist and just grab as many Oxycontins as they wanted. And then the Oxycontin went away and they went, oh, fuck. Now we got a heroin problem. But they're barely going to let in legal marijuana. But they had this huge pill mill. This is the state of Florida. 
the thing that you don't understand if you've never been there, it's like the land of the chains, especially in central Florida, because so much of that economy, so much of the inner workings of that city have to do with like fakeness. And by fakeness, I mean Disney World, I mean Universal Studios, where you have people that are not only employees, they're known as cast members. You'd be out at a bar somewhere near that, and then you would see these cast members show up dressed like a pilgrim because they just got off set from being a cast member, aka sweeping up popcorn from some rowdy kids on the fucking ground. This is what Florida is. And they love their chain restaurants. It's unbelievable. And not just chain restaurants, but chains in general. This place is so crazy that we once got a Trader Joe's there. And for the grand opening, they had a line that went around the entire building. That's right. Like a snake eating its own tail, it was wrapped around the entire building. For groceries. This isn't like there was like some I, I can almost understand it if it's like the new iPhone or if you're a sneakerhead and some Jordans. That's like limited edition shit. But it's not like you're getting the great 2017 avocados when the store first opens. The same shit's gonna be there tomorrow. Unless they run out of shit on their shelves, the same food that's there today is gonna be there tomorrow. Cause it's a grocery store. And that's what happens. But this is Florida. But think about it. Even if you've never been there, have you ever heard of anything cool that came out of Florida? Granted, cocaine? Okay, I get you. South Florida, I hear, is pretty nice. I haven't been down there. So I'm only speaking for like Central Florida, like Tampa Bay up. I'm speaking for all that section. But trying to think, and it's a strange place because they think, like, think of it this way. If anybody from Florida moves out here, we're not like, oh, shit, why'd you move out here? We go, oh, it's California. We know why you moved out here, because it's awesome. But Florida thinks they're awesome, and then the only question you ever get is, if you were from San Diego, why did you move out here? They were right. Eventually, I started asking myself, why did I move out there? So I finally moved back. It got me thinking about Florida trying to think of anything cool has ever come out of Florida. And it, it led me down to a Google search. So let me just read off the names of famous people from Florida. And then I'm going to read off the names of famous people from California. And we're just going to do a compare and contrast and just see what awesomeness has ever come out of Florida. And this is completely unbiased, unbiased, I say. And I'm just going to read down the list of how it pops up on the Google search. So, okay, famous people from Florida. Again, you can do this Google search yourself and verify it. It starts off hot with Jim Morrison. Congratulations, Florida. And then, like lemmings falling over a cliff, it then goes to Flo Rida, whose name is also Florida. So, unless that's like some SEO thing, you might have just popped up for that. Jason Derulo, he has a couple hit songs. And then it gets worse. Then you have Mandy Moore. Then you have Aaron Carter. Then you have T-Pain. Then you have Brooke Hogan. Then you have Fred Durst. Shall I go on? It ends with Vanilla Ice and then Trick Daddy and Pleasure P. And you know, I I was going to look up famous people from California. But you know who pops up? Everybody. 
Yep, that, that's right. I mean, now granted, this on the Google search, uh, I'm just going to, like I said, I'm going to be unbiased. This is not fake news. Straight, if you Google the words famous people from California, you'll get the same list. So I'm not making shit up. It starts with Tiger Woods. Boom. Jerry Garcia. Boom. And then it gets a little strange with Katy Perry and Cher. But then it goes Snoop, Dre, Adam Levine, OJ Simpson, Holla, Kevin Federline, and Paula Abdul. Now, why that's on the top of their list, I don't understand. It goes on to have Suge Knight. It says Arnold Schwarzenegger. I don't know if we can actually claim Arnold Schwarzenegger because he's not from here, although he does live here now. But you also have people like Johnny Depp, Travis Barker, and everybody else. So just right there, California won. Florida zero. So then it got me thinking like, oh, there's got to be some cool bands that came from Florida. You would think like the one that just came off the top of my head is I knew the Allman Brothers were from there. So the pop punk people, I knew Newfound Glory was from there. But again, you can do this Google search yourself. Let's just see who's better, Florida or California. Top bands from Florida. Number one, Leonard Skinnerd. Good for you, Florida. That's a good one. Then a band called Death. Death. They're <laughs> called Death. Never heard of them. And then, of course, a band called Obituary. Way to go. And then it comes into my favorites on four and five. It's Creed, followed by Alter Bridge. And why I know this next fact, I have no idea, but Alter Bridge is just members from Creed without that crazy lead singer with arms wide open. It's just without him. So it's the same band. So they have the same band twice. This is the state of Florida, people. And then it goes to Molly Hatchet, some other band I don't can't pronounce, Trivium, Scrape. Oh, oh. <laughs> this makes sense now. I forgot all about that boy band producer that was from Orlando. Again, don't know why I know this. I'm filled with stupid fucking knowledge. I forgot all the boy bands are from there. O-Town, it says. In sync it says. Backstreet Boys. And then you have like shit bands like Matchbox 20. Of course, this all came from Orlando. This is manufactured horrible music. Florida's a type of place where dudes would be stoked to go see Three Doors Down. For those of you in California, if you don't know this, in other parts of the country, especially in the South, like Kentucky, you know who does really well there? Three Doors Down. You know who does really well in like places like North Carolina and Florida? Matchbox 20, Nickelback, Hinder, bands like that. Anything where there's the dude going, that type of shit does really, really well down there. Things that would never, I mean, if anybody tried to give you those tickets, you wouldn't accept. You'd throw them in their face. You would question your friendship with that person because you would think that they have a personal vendetta against you for inviting you to one of those shows. But this is Florida. So I state my case. Fuck the state of Florida. If you're thinking about going, don't. If you're thinking about moving, don't. Stay. Wherever you are, stay. You think you'll just go for a little vacation? Nope. Alligators will eat your kids. You never know how drunk you can get and just end up in a lake where there's amoebas everywhere. People die from just jumping in lakes drunk. I can't even tell you how many times that happens. Like I said, stay away from the state of Florida. If you're currently living in Florida, 
move. There's 49 other states. Pack up your shit. Go away. As far as you can. Leave now. Florida's like the Coast 103.5 of states. Remember Coast 103.5? Is that still a radio station? They used to have Sharon Sharp on on the weekends. And she'd dedicate songs to like Jose from Rosalita. She'd be like, she just wants to let you know that she misses you. That is the state of Florida. It's like Coast 103.5. The music that you would hear on there is what the state of Florida is. You'd see dudes that would go to bars. I thought I was done talking about it. And here it just comes again. It's like boils over with my hatred for it. It's like I'm trying to purge this from my system. But I thought I was done. But then you go and you think about like when you go to the bar and you see dudes. Like, you know, like, remember like in the 90s when the dudes would like gel their hair forward like with the man bangs? Those dudes still exist in the state of Florida. You'd be in a bar and you would see dudes in polo shirts and like little khaki shorts and those boat shoes like the Sperry's. It's not a boat in sight. You're not going golfing? Like, granted, we wear shirts, but they're like the full button downs, not like these little pop, they're like still like the pop collar guys. Remember, like, pop collar guy with puka shell necklaces? They, these are the guys of Florida. And it, they'll even wear this type of shit to like sporting events. Like, you know, like if you go to like an angel game, you might wear like an angel shirt or make maybe a tank top if it's hot. Nope. Not these dudes. They'll wear like polo golf shirts. Or they'll wear like the Charlie Sheen like full button downs. Yeah. They'll wear those out to bars into games and they think they're crushing it. They think they're crushing it. But they look like douchebags. They're all named dudes like Connor. You know, like shit like that. Assholes. I feel better. I feel alive. God, that... I think that was just like bent up aggression that I needed to get out of that goddamn state. I might go back. Shout out to Eddie Robinson. Eddie Robinson still lives out there. I'll probably go back to visit him at some time. I don't. Eddie Robinson is one of my buddies I used to do radio with, and he got married a few weeks back um, in Las Vegas, and I was lucky enough to get invited. And his best man was Ken Griffey Jr. That Ken Griffey, the original KG, before there was Kevin Garnett, Mr. Sports Center, Mr. Highlight, the kid, first dude with the backwards hat, dude raked. He was Eddie Robinson's best man. And that was a, a trip of all trips. Um, won some money. I think I hit two or three different parlays with my buddy Brian and Eddie betting on March Madness. That went awesome. And then the day of the wedding, getting super pumped for my boy to get married to his chick cat. And you hear Griffey come down the halls and he's there with a couple other people. I'm just not going to mention them. If you saw my Instagram or Snapchat, you know who was there, but I don't know if anybody wants their name out there. Not to sound like some pretentious douchebag, like, oh, I'm on the inside. Like, I don't know if I should be telling this. No, that's not what I mean at all. I'm saying they might not want some jackass in Temecula talking about them and what happened. Although nothing crazy happened, it was just a trip. When by the end of the night, you're taking shots with Ken Griffey Jr. talking about the movie Little Big League. And if you remember Little Big League, where the kid takes over the ownership of the Minnesota Twins and Ken Griffey Jr. robs him of all hope of winning what I believe was either the World Series or probably the what is it called? The ALCS. Yeah, I think they're in the same division. I don't watch baseball anymore. But there's this iconic scene where Griffey goes and robs a home run. Randy Johnson's pitching. And I find out 
that my boy Eddie Robinson, the guy that just got married, the guy that used to let me sleep on his couch in Florida fucking five nights a week, we get hammer drunk on vodka, as he would say. Rentai went on, as Eddie would say. <laughs> he tells me, this is Ken now, my boy Eddie Robinson is the one that threw him the ball in the movie when he robbed that home run. When you're already like nine tequila shots deep and you hear a story like that, your mind is instantly blown. A movie that you've seen, it's like the movie Rookie of the Year. I've seen that movie probably 75 times. Little Big League was that that way. And Griffey was the biggest dude back in the day. It was him and Michael Jordan. So him to tell me all these stories and just hang out. They they say never meet your heroes. Not that Griffey's a hero by any stretch of the imagination. I I don't know. I'm a 31-year-old man. I don't think I have any people that I look up to that I would call my hero. Um, but he was just as dope as they come. Um, was very forthright. Uh, just made you feel like you were right there. Had no problem taking a picture and taking shots. Like It was just a good time. So um, to Griffey and to Eddie Robinson, congratulations, man. And then two weeks ago, I did something that I never thought I would do. I got basic. <laughs> I got super basic. I went to a little festival called Coachella. Decided on the Tuesday before Coachella I was going to go. Found a girl on... That, that, that sounded incorrect. That, that sounded inappropriate. Um, my buddy hooked me up with this chick he knows out in Palm Desert. And she happened to have an, an extra wristband. So I was able to buy that off her. And met her like the day of going to the festival. Picked it up at 8 p.m. and went on my way. So for those of you that you don't know, Coachella goes Friday through Sunday. But they have a day zero on Thursday, as they call it. And everybody caravans up and you make your tents and your camps and everybody starts partying, gets ready for the festival to start. But I, I did not go up Thursday. I went up Friday morning, went into work for a couple hours and then drove up. And man, it was way better than I thought. Um, shout out to the serial killers, as we call them. It was my little Coachella crew. Um, it was a good time. I think I might be too old for that fest- festival already. Um, I quite literally knew nobody on the lineup. Um, everybody in our, my group was super pumped to see different people. Um, I was pumped to see DJ Shadow. I knew him. I was pumped to see Hans Zimmer. And I was pumped to see like Schoolboy Q. And then, oh, and Jack Garrett. I cannot forget Jack Garrett. But th- that was it. And I mean, I don't know. There's probably 50 bands there, or DJs, whatever you want to call them. And I, I just knew nobody. Like, we went and saw a guy named Dylan Francis. I'd heard that name before, but he knew none of his music, and that was fucking wild. This band called Big Gigantic. You've probably heard their song. They're on the NBA commercial. It goes, doo 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 doo. That was a very bad impression of it. Hold on. I, I don't want to fuck this up. You probably heard this. Yeah, if you've been watching any of the NBA playoffs, you've definitely heard this song. But that band was fucking so cool. Holy shit. They're in this place called the Sahara Tent. And if you ever see like the crazy like half moon shape from Coachella, it's got always just thousands of people in there. And there's always LED lights everywhere. Yeah, that, that's a Sahara Tent. That's where we saw them. And it's just like a drummer. And then a dude, he might be DJing or he's on a computer and he plays saxophone. And they had a couple other horns behind him. And let's just say... Um, the the in how, how do I want to put this? 
Okay, the molly kicked in when I was seeing him, and it was fucking phenomenal. And if you've never seen Big Gigantic, I highly recommend it. And especially on molly, because that was a lot of fun. Yeah, I said it. It was a lot of fun, though. Can't hate me for that. But Coachella was an ins- interesting place. I-, I didn't know what to expect. I just expected three days of partying. And to be perfectly honest, everybody knew it. Like, I was not looking forward to it. I, I don't do well in numerous days in a row of partying if you will because i like to get what you call hung over and then it makes me incapacitated to do fucking anything else so i was worried about getting hung over but it was so damn hot out there and it just really wasn't at least with our group it wasn't the boozing party i thought it was going to be sure some people booze more than others but i just expected it to be a 24-hour drink fest and beer pong and flip cup and all these drinking games and it's just much more of a marathon than a sprint and especially when it's 100 105 degrees you have no air conditioning you're in a group our group is pretty big we had probably 25 or 30 people in there so you kind of all just looking out for each other making sure everybody's good making sure everybody's staying hydrated nice people are coming up and squirting you down with the water because it's so damn hot and you just don't want anybody to dehydrate so you kind of just hang out during the day and then when the festival finally opens whether it's you want to go in at 12 or you wait and go in around three or four later on to see some action it's pretty close where you can go to the stage go see some music and come back but it's just a, a way better time than I thought. However, I like to people watch. And Coachella is the ultimate place to people watch. It is so interesting to see these basic bitches at their natural habitat. You know who I'm talking about. These are the basic of the basic bitches. This is why Coachella has such a bad rap, I think. It's because of the basic bitches. I couldn't believe my eyes when you would see them staging these photos. Like, I've seen the photos on Instagram before. Like, I've seen the girls posing, you know, like with the one leg up. Like, they're wearing high heels, but they're not wearing high heels. Like, that photo. Like, I've seen that, and I've always wondered who's on the other side of that camera? Who's taking that photo? Who did they ask to do that? Are they really staging this? And of course they are because they're always in this crazy ass pose or they're like in that half squat position with their ass out. You know what I'm talking about? Usually got a peace sign up or some shit. But I never seen them in their natural habitat quite like this. At Coachella, there's this big Ferris wheel that's like a famous thing for people to go take pictures in front of. And you would see them, the, the typical holding like each other's fingers with hands in the air. You would see the, the, the best one I saw. I was waiting for Jack Garrett. This girl is doing the typical, you know, pretending like I have high heels on, but I don't have high heels on. And then she would grab like a lock of her hair and then was fanning herself with like this Asian looking fan that she had. You might think that's bad enough. But like I said, I wanted to see what it was like from the other side of the camera. And I finally got to see this in the basic bitch's natural habitat. This guy was on, he, he he was sitting down in like a squat position. But it was like an Indian style position because he had to get the perfect angle. And then not just that, then he would like move positions and it was all from like this awkward, like from like grass, like he's trying to get like strands of grass in the photo or something as this chick just sits there and fans herself. And then she looks at the photos like they're proofs and goes no and makes him get back down again and take other photos just for her to post to Instagram. And this is not just once that I saw this. This happened throughout the weekend. 
These bitches think that they're Kim Kardashian or something, and they're like, all these people care. And look, I get that you get over 100 likes, yeah, you're hot as fuck, and your ass is hanging out. Oh, by the way, that, that, if you want to know what the woman's uniform was of Coachella, it was high-waisted shorts and half your booty hanging out. I had like a booty withdrawals when I got back from Coachella. I'd just be like staring at an ass, like expecting butt cheeks to come out, and they're in pants in a sweatshirt. I feel like I had PTSD after I left Coachella. But the other thing you see at Coachella, just while we're on the topic of basic bitches and their natural habitat, is these basic bitches getting on dudes' shoulders. You think, oh, that's nice of the guy. How chivalrous. No, that dude's a douchebag. And he's likely in the friend zone. Or if he's in a relationship, he's likely getting cheated on. Because let me tell you what these bitches are doing while they're on top of the shoulders. Not only is it 105 degrees, not only are you packed in with 20,000 people sometimes at some of these little venues during the day, not only is everybody jumping up and down and dancing, not only do you likely weigh 110, 120 pounds, then to get up on the shoulders of him, you think that would be enough? Nope, definitely not. Then you will see them start pumping up and down like they're dancing on the ground and this dude's just fucking taking it. If you've ever done squats, like imagine just bouncing up and down with just like a 45 on each side. Like at at some point, it's going to get fucking tiring, right? So you think that's bad enough? No. They're sitting there flirting with the guys while they're up there. They're taking selfies. They're probably sitting on the other dudes and they're going, ha ha ha. Thanks to my BFF for holding me on his shoulders. You look like clowns. This is prevalent. It's everywhere. It didn't matter if it was Hans Zimmer, if it was Dylan Francis, or if it was DJ Shadow. It's happened everywhere. It happened everywhere. I'll I'll tell you one more story and then then I'll get off the basic bitches and their natural habitat at Coachella. We were seeing, I believe, uh, a DJ named Dylan Francis. I think that's who it was. Everything kind of just melts into each other because it's so fucking hot and you see so many acts that you kind of forget what happened where. But we're sitting there. Like I said, this place is packed. It's in the Sahara tent as well. And this girl taps my brother on the shoulder. And for those of you that don't know my brother, my brother is 6'5", 225 pounds or so. I mean, he's a big he's a big dude. And the girl taps him on his shoulder and says, hey, would you mind scooting over? And to his credit, he was very nice. And he said, I'll, I'll try, but there's nowhere to go. So, I mean, he kind of scoots to the left. I mean, maybe a quarter of an inch because there's nowhere to go. He's not being an asshole. There's literally nowhere for you to move in some of these spots. And she taps him on the shoulder again. And she goes, well, how about, how about I just get on your shoulders? And if you know my brother, he's kind of like me where he's not going to take shit from a girl like that. <laughs> so he's looked at her and said, no. And I think maybe politely said to fuck off. But then she taps him on the shoulder and she goes, come on, you have the perfect shoulders for him. Just let me sit on top so that I can see. This is a stranger. We didn't know her. I'm sure she was a sorority girl from SDSU or UCI or something. No, she was Asian, so it was definitely UCI. But she felt so confident to ask a stranger to get on his shoulders. It makes me think that she's done it before or that she's never been told no. But I thought that was bad enough. I just tried to chalk that up to Coachella. But my brother told me this has happened numerous times in numerous different venues. It doesn't matter if it's Dylan Francis. He says he's been at Willie Nelson and been asked the same thing. I had no idea these types of things were happening to tall dudes like this. 
We need a petition for these guys. No, you cannot stand on their shoulders. No, you cannot sit on their shoulders. I didn't even know this was a thing. The confidence to be able to just ask a stranger that. Like, what could it do to ask that would be the equivalent of that? The answer is nothing. Because you get punched out or laughed at or both. Maybe you get punched out, then get laughed at. That'd be the worst. And then the craziest thing that happened at Coachella is there's this place, if you've never been there, there's a tent, and it's I guess it's separate of Coachella, but it's still within Coachella, but it's like its own thing, and it's called the Dew Lab. And it looks like this giant pineapple. And during the day, there's misters on, and people shoot you with like these water guns, and it almost looks like those Ghostbuster things, but it's just water that they shoot at people. And at night, at like I think it's 1045 or 1145, whatever it is, they have a secret guest. Nobody knows who it is. Some people assume they know who it is. I think sometimes it gets leaked on Twitter. But the night we decided to go, my buddy Matt told me that it was going to be a guy or a girl or a group. I don't, I don't named Kygo, K-Y-G-O. So when the guy came out to the MC came out to announce who the guest DJ of that night was going to be, I expected to hear Kygo. And this place is pretty packed. But the way Coachella is is like. Once one concert's over, then you run to another spot because you're always just trying to like catch up and see different acts. So there, it kind of comes in waves. But we, we had gotten in like just inside of the pineapple and had, I don't know, what was probably like 20 people deep behind us already. And the guy comes out. And like I said, we're expecting to hear Kai go. And he goes, ladies and gentlemen, we have a very special guest for you to, guest DJ for you tonight. I give to you Skrillex. Didn't go, Skrillex! He didn't DJ Colette and go, another one! He just said, quietly, Skrillex. The lights went off, and Skrillex came on, and the place fucking erupted. I don't know if I've ever heard a sound like that in my entire life. I've been to a Game 7 of a World Series, and I'm telling you, this is probably the loudest roar and just shock and excitement of a group of people I've ever seen in my life. Now, I don't... I didn't know much about Skrillex. I know that Bangarang song. I know that Scary Monster song. But that was about it. But seeing him live with the right mentality, if you will, wink, wink, was a fucking treat. People have been talking about that. I mean, that's all I keep seeing in Twitter still. And the people are always trying to see the set. Like, that night was fucking huge. I guess Skrillex is like a monster. Like, now I've gone down the YouTube rabbit hole. And I've seen him at all these different festivals. And people just go absolutely ape shit. But I guess I just thought he was a producer or something. I really didn't know he like DJ like that. And holy shit, that gave me a whole new perspective. I, I don't know if they have a video out there. I, I I was kicking myself that I didn't have it, that I wasn't recording it when he said it. But it was just so cool that he didn't yell. It was just like, ladies and gentlemen, Skrillex. And it just went fucking crazy. It's like that gif you see of Jonah Hill with his hands in the air. That's what every single person was doing. And then by we couldn't even stay for the whole thing. We ended up leaving with like, I don't know, probably five, ten minutes to go. And by that time, it took us probably 15, 20 minutes to walk out of there. That's how many people had that's how many people had rushed this venue to go see it. Because as soon as they said Skrillex, all you saw is everybody pull up their cell phone, me as well, and just in their group text saying, Skrillex, Skrillex, and everybody ran. So I was probably a Skrillex hater prior to that. But coming out, um, I, I was a fan. I'm not going to lie. And then the, the, the last thing, the, the best part of the night or of the weekend 
was our whole group got together and the one person we all wanted to go see was fucking Hans Zimmer. You, you wouldn't expect a guy like Hans Zimmer to do so well at a festival like that, but that, that was just as packed as anybody else I had seen all weekend. If you don't know who Hans Zimmer is, Hans Zimmer is an epic composer um, that has done such soundtracks as The Lion King, as Inception, as Batman, um, and th- there's others, but I just can't think of them right now. But to see that live with this full orchestra, and he's got this badass cello player, and his drummer's fucking phenomenal, and it was just, it was one of the heaviest things I saw. No joke, they come out and do the goddamn Lion King song, and like people are wiping away tears. Even sober people, people that weren't on like LSD, sober people were wiping away tears. It, it was just unbelievable. If you've never had the chance to see Hans Zimmer, if you get the chance to go see Hans Zimmer, I would highly recommend it. But out of all the acts that were there all weekend long, that was the one that our entire group decided on. Like we had a good, good sized group for DJ Shadow, but um, having all everybody there for Hans Zimmer was pretty damn cool. So that was Coachella. Um, I might do it again. We'll, we'll see what's up. But today was. My favorite show, if you will, it's not a, I mean, it's not on TV, but it's on YouTube and it's called the hot ones wing challenge. If you haven't heard of it, there's a blog called first we feast that puts it on and the guy named Sean Evans hosts it. And it's the best 25 to 30 minutes that you'll watch every week. It's a hot wing challenge where it has 10 hot wings. He interviews a guest and he asks 10 questions. So with each level of uh or with each hot wing he asks a different question and it goes up in the scoville scale starting with sriracha and it goes all the way up to something called um oh what is it called with liquid rage Oh, Blair's Mega Death Sauce with Liquid Rage. That's what it's called. So it goes up to super, super hot. A lot of people haven't been able to make it through. Like DJ Khaled, he didn't, wasn't able to make it through. Um, a couple other people weren't as well. But it's so awesome because it like breaks them down. It's like them taking shots of tequila like where they just get more drunk and they just have to be more honest. Like The heat and the Scoville level just breaks them down where they're just like more honest than they normally would be. Like Kevin Love was just on last week. He was awesome. Burt Kreischer's been on there. He's awesome. The best one ever is Eddie Wong. If you don't know Eddie Wong of Wong's World, it's a Viceland show or it's on Vice YouTube. Um, he fucking just goes balls deep and goes for the hottest one first, which had never been done. And it just wrecks him so you might want to start with that one but it's awesome but today it was my homeboy neil degrasse tyson um he had a new book coming out so he was on that show promoting it but like neil degrasse tyson you don't understand i have a shirt that says neil degrasse tyson is my homeboy and it's him he used to be a wrestler in college and it's him like with his arms crossed looking all badass like I have a man crush on Neil deGrasse Tyson. So seeing him on that show was fucking hilarious. And like I said, the hot sauce breaks them down. So like at one point, he even bites into this wing. And he goes, ooh, that's two bites, bitches. And it's just hilarious to see him get like wrecked by these hot wings. But to his credit, yeah, I-, I won't say it. No, no spoiler alert. You'll, you'll have to watch it to, to see if he makes it through or not. But like Neil deGrasse Tyson's almost like a sports team to me. Like, I swear to God, there was two separate people that texted me today asking if I thought Neil deGrasse Tyson was going to be able to make it through. Because, like I said, some people don't. Some people have only made it halfway through. Some people quit with a couple weeks ago. Eddie Wong quit after the first one because he fucked up and ate the hottest one first on purpose, like a douchebag. But they were asking if I thought he was going to make it. Make it? 
This is motherfucking Neil deGrasse Tyson. Do you know who the fuck Neil deGrasse Tyson is? Let me break it down for you. If I'm not mistaken, Neil deGrasse Tyson, well, I know I'm not mistaken that he's a black man, out of Harlem, that is an astrophysicist. Not only is he an astrophysicist, he is now the director of the Hayden Planetarium in New York. But let me break down his credentials for you real quick, because I had to look it up and I was blown away. He completed a bachelor's degree in physics at Harvard University in 1980. Pretty good. After receiving a master's degree in astronomy at the University of Texas at Austin in 1983, he then earned his master's in 89, a doctorate in 91 in astrophysics at Columbia University, and then the next three years, he was a postdoctoral research associate at Princeton University. I can't even say that word of what he did the research of at Princeton. That's who Neil deGrasse Tyson is. And you're going to ask me if I think he can eat 10 spicy wings? His whole life has been eating spicy wings. He's defied all the odds. He's gone to the mega death sauce with liquid rage already. He's already done that. Of course I thought he was going to make it through. But go check it out. It's called the Hot Ones Challenge. Just YouTube Hot Ones Neil deGrasse Tyson. And if you've never seen it, you can check it out for yourself. And that's it. Episode one of the books. I feel better. Now that I purged all that hatred out of my soul, I just... I feel lighter. I feel good. But I'm not going to lie. That was like the equivalent of running a, a 5K when you haven't even gone for a, a brisk walk in the last three years. Kind of run out of breath there for a second. You kind of lose your train of thought, but it'll get better. And it's just like going to the gym. You can't just go to the gym after years of not lifting and just expect to be able to deadlift like twice your body weight. You got to work your way up. So I'm working my way up. Some of these are going to be solo. I have... A bunch of friends that do cooler shit than me. I got some other guests in mind that I would love to bring on. But like I said, I got to get out of my bedroom because it sounds creepy. Like, hey, you want to do a podcast in my bedroom, man? So the goal is to get the other room cleared out, put a studio in there. Don't have to hear the car sounds anymore. Not as creepy if it's in a spare room instead of your own bedroom. Um, I'm going to even, I think, go on the road with it and not on the road like I'm going on a tour, but I'll just take it to wherever they're working, like kind of on location, like you would do like a remote on a radio station or something. Um, And we'll just kind of go from there. This is um, new. It's week by week. It's day by day. Just kind of take it as it comes. But thanks for listening to the first ever episode of the Prove Me Wrong podcast. I'll catch you next week. Peace.